You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories and sound from a village grown bigger. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Question Is on the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. I'm Brian Byrne and with me again is our panel to discuss the question of the day. They're Cleona Kelleher, a co-founder of Kilcullen for Climate Action and working on climate affairs with Dublin City Council. Evelyn O'Sullivan, owner of Drama Dynamics and committed to helping children and adults becoming self-confident in public speaking and performance. Jerry O'Donoghue is a retired school principal and passionate about human rights and history. And Roy Thompson, a manager with the National Wildlife Service and a singer-songwriter always ready to use his talents to help any cause at the drop of a musical note. The question this week was suggested by Leona Kelleher and asks, is social media polarising society? So where did that concern come from? I suppose I'm on social media a lot because I manage different pages and, you know, I just I find it like it's a great source of information generally. So I'm, I'm probably on it a bit more than, than other people. So maybe it's more noticeable to me, but I just kind of in the past year or so, I just have seen this trend where it's kind of almost you have to be in one gang or another that this whole idea that people can have sort of you know disagree still talk just seems to be gone out the window altogether I suppose I just I I kind of find it a bit of a disturbing trend I mean it, it it's all very well I suppose on social media but then we look at things like the the protests in Dublin and you you know where where the Gardaí were injured and you you see this kind of extremism where people are just not able to see other people's perspectives i suppose i think that's kind of a bit worrying and do you think that the social media is playing a part in that uh, in the in the actual polarization I think it is because now social media is quite broad as well. So like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, there's different ways of interacting on each of them. But Twitter in particular, because you're confined to a certain amount of words, you know, it is sometimes it works really well and people can get across a really pithy point or, you know, something funny very easily. But then other times people can be easily misinterpreted and it like it's very hard to explain your entire perspective in a short amount of words sometimes when it is a complex issue you know i mean it could be it could be anything but it it is very difficult and i think then that sort of leads to people you know becoming antagonized and maybe sort of even more fixed in their opinions does it make you afraid to to get involved in a conversation? I, I think so, yeah. I, I, I tend not to get involved generally um, because I suppose for that reason, um, also the anonymity of social media obviously is a huge factor as well because you, you don't know who you're actually talking to or, or what their agenda is. So you know, I would be quite careful. And, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm completely 
open about my opinions, completely happy to talk about anything I believe in with anybody. But at the same time, I suppose when you're in that sort of strange environment, it, you know, it's, it's not the same as being in a room with somebody. Also because obviously on social media, there's no consequences, I guess, in a sense, you know, you can come on social media and slate somebody or be racist or, or be, you know, incredibly aggressive. And there's no consequences, really. Gary, when you were uh, talking to us last week, you, uh, you mentioned that one of the consequences of, of lockdown has been that you're spending more time on social media than you used to be, that it used to be you. So you're kind of in a way fresher to social media than many of us. And uh, how, how is it coming across to you? I think there's a lot in what Kleena is saying because everything seems to be binary now. You know, you're either for something, you're against it. It's either black or it's white. It's either good or it's bad. You know, it reminds me of the, the, um, the proverbial guy at the traffic lights, you know, picking his nose because he's, he's cocooned in a car. He kind of feels that uh, nobody can see what he's doing. Or, and people, I think, are the same in, 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 in Facebook. You know, they seem to think they can say anything to or about a person and that somehow, it, you know, they can, they can, people aren't aware of who they are, which, as Cleena says, very often people are anonymous. But even people who put their names to predictor comments, you know, people I know, people you know, it's extraordinary what, uh, what people will say. And, for example, politicians, and gosh, I'd be the last one to hold the torch for a politician. But generally speaking, they're hardworking, decent people. And you might fundamentally disagree with their basic philosophy and some, obviously, a lot of their policies. But there are some policies in every party that everybody agrees with. It's not like just a binary thing that you're pro-government. It's not nuanced or subtle anymore. You know, and you can't really disagree with somebody anymore unless you lambaste them into the bargain, question their parentage and their, their perverted habits and all this sort of thing. It's just... I think it's gone. And as for blogs, you know, I mean, there seems to be no consequence for what people write, you know, in a blog. You know, anybody seems to be fair game. And certainly there are no consequences or no, no redress, you know. So it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, theatre and place to be. But at the same time, there are dangers there, not just for children, as it's, it's obviously uh, very current at the moment, but, but for adults, you know. So the binary nature of it, I think, is what I would worry most about. Yes, well, there is research, uh, a lot of research on this now at the moment and over the last few years, certainly. And it does seem to show that uh, social media activity does make it binary. You either are for one side or the other. And people don't talk to each other on social media. They talk at each other. But one, one other aspect of it, and you mentioned the no consequence, Jerry. There are consequences. Yeah. And in, in recent right. years, even, uh, even in Ireland, there have been cases taken for defamation. Now, the problem is that you can't take the case for defamation against the platform. For some reason, yeah, yeah. they seem to be getting away with not, uh, not having to re be responsible for what's on them. Now, you, you compare right. that against a newspaper or against a magazine like The Bridge, which I edit, or you put it like a radio, a radio broadcaster, mm, mm, you take responsibility mm. and they can be sued, but not the platforms mm. as an issue there. But individuals can, and 
uh, I think okay. rapidly yeah. they will learn as the court cases come in. I just shut down all social media. I think I got to a stage, um, particularly after Christmas, I just had it. I had it with the news. I had it with the repetitiveness of the news. Um, and, you know, for what I do, social media is, is the way that I contact people. If I didn't have social media, I'm losing an awful lot of, of how I meet people and contact people. So there is a very positive side to it, but it was the, the consistent negative impact um, on social media that I just decided I was taking a complete break. So I, I stopped after mm. Christmas. And I think, you know, for Trump and, and what he brought to Twitter, but I still can't reconcile the Trump and all the noise that he had with being completely taken off Twitter at the end of his uh, presidency. And it's the, it's the freedom of speech and the responsibility of the freedom of speech. That conflict, I, I can't reconcile. That, you know, for the four years when he was shouting at everybody, he was left alone. And then towards the end of his presidency, it's like, you know, a celebrity. He was, you know, not becoming a celebrity anymore. I suppose, is it making a small binary? Definitely. There is no place for debate on social media. When you look at pictures, we'll say on Facebook, um, no one ever takes a picture of them having a bad day. No one ever says, this is me on <laughs> the corner, you know, look at my tears and my mascara running. I look horrendous. You know, you're going to get the picture of, oh, look at me with my whatever, happy, smiley face. Roy, if, if you and I go for a pint in the pub and we have a discussion on politics or religion or music, we, uh, we may disagree, but we will be seeing each other's body language when we're talking to each other over a pint. There is no body language to get the nuances of the discussion on social media. Isn't that an issue? I think it is. I think, I mean, as humans, we are very, as Irish people, we're very gesticular. Uh, and it is, a, you know, there's, a, well, there's often in training, you often get this fact, you know, the, the pseudo fact that communication is 7% verbal and 55% uh, um, uh, physical and, you know, all the bits in the middle. And that's being debunked. But it makes a point that, that as says he waving his hands around as he talks, that, that the, the the body, the body language, and the, the visual, and and the key, um, I suppose, or the cues that we take from that are absent in Facebook, uh, on social media, and in email, and all written um, communication. Uh, the context is 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 missing, uh, so the subtlety is gone. Um, you know, it's and it's it's a bit. It, it, there's there's a whole language, if you like, has 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 come up around this with, you know when and how you should use capitals and when you shouldn't and why are you shouting at me if you if you use capitals to emphasize something which we would have done in our copy books you know and and you know it's as somebody who used to have four facebook pages you know for for the music end of things and my own pages and all the rest of it uh, i found that the kind of the lack of quality control the lack of editing the lack of moderation in both uh, senses of the word uh, just infuriating by times. I flirted with Twitter, Evelyn mentioned Twitter, I flirted with Twitter uh, briefly. It wasn't brief enough. I found it, uh, at, as many people have found it to be just a vacuous shouting ch chamber. Uh, and and I, I had no truck with it. I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't stick it. It seemed to be the place where all the, all the angry folk went. Mm -hmm. uh, I got out of there fairly rapid. I, I forget what experiment it was, but I do remember that um, 
so there's two members in the family here and of different age groups and they looked up on their phones they, they i don't know google something okay and because of that google both of them then got different information on the same subject so we'll say they looked up the election in ireland um but the information that they got was geared towards their age group so it's the you're getting a very synthesized version of the news as well you know so you have to unless if you're going to sit there and take everything that your phone offers you you're going to get that you have to make an effort to get a news feed you know from other places as well so it's it's a dangerous old place it's fantastic it's how you connect but you have to be aware that just because it's coming into your phone and um, someone's giving you that information and you have to wonder but why is this then the, what the part of the answer that the people who are using it become more literate about accepting or not accepting what they see uh, as gospel. I think that is part of it. And I think face, both Facebook and Twitter, kind of for the first time that I'm aware of since COVID, made an effort to verify information or to kind of flag information that possibly wasn't correct. Now that was only in the context of COVID. But, but at the same time, I, I, like, I think that was a step forward. It was a sign that the, the, the platforms themselves were taking a little bit of responsibility. But I, like, I do think people from kids upwards, people should be, you know, taught that the information often isn't verified. It might not be true. You don't know. There could be an agenda. It's just to kind of use your common sense, really, I suppose, and maybe just to fact check and, and double check things as well. I think that social media is responsible for a lot of uh, lazy scholarship. You know, there was a time when if you knew you picked up the Daily Mail or the Telegraph that you were going to get a very biased um, right-wing conservative view of the world, you know, and it, it, all of that is hidden within Facebook now. You don't quite know who's behind whatever you're reading. Uh, social media in general, you know, and it, it's, I think it leads to lazy scholarship when people are exercised about an issue you pick and choose what, what confirms your own bias. And that certainly leads to polarization because the more you confirm your own bias and use the available evidence to confirm your own bias, the more polarized you come from the opposite argument and the less inclined you are to listen to the opposite argument. And I think it just, all, what everybody has said so far, I think just confirms that journalism is an art. You know, that you really, need to know what you're saying and how you're saying it and why you're saying it because you know that rule when you're angry with somebody you 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 take you take a step back you know and you just i think when something provokes you on social media and bearing in mind it's probably designed to provoke you i think we should take a week off before we respond yeah. to it because it's designed to be provocative it's designed to polarize and it's designed to generate traffic i think it's important but even though it's called social media, it's actually economic media. It's there to generate funds for advertisers. And it's a lovely label for it, but let's use it by all means, but let's be careful how we use it. So I think, you know, this, this confirmation of your own bias, you find that in social media, and I think it prevents you from, or at least inclines you from listening to the other side of the, of the argument, which is the basis of polarization, I suppose, really. I, I don't know, I, I presume you all discussed this guy's in school, um, debating. 
So <laughs> I, I was one of those nerds that did debating and I really liked it. Um, but I remember you get the topic and you didn't, you, you had no choice. You had to either go for or against it. That was your topic. Um, so you sat there with all your notes ready to go. And by the time it came to debate, by God, you're ready to debate that point. Something that like two weeks ago, you had no interest in. But you'd sit there fighting for that point, And then the opposite team would say something. You'd go, ah, oh, wish I thought of that. That's a good point. But there was a discourse there, you know, and mm -hmm. it was a, a swapping of ideas. And even though you were entrenched in yours, you still listened to the other team, you know, and there were rules that were applied. And I know it's really old fashioned, but that sense of debate doesn't seem to be there. There's no given yeah. time in sharing and listening. It's mm -hmm. just, um, and, and if you bring up a topic, whatever it is, whatever popular of the day, everyone goes, oh, yes, you're right on that. Without actually, as you said, Jerry, taking a step back, give it a week or two and go, are they right? And, and often a picture does not tell a thousand words. <laughs> often a picture can be manipulated to whatever the person wants to see. So you have to be careful mm -hmm. about what you're looking at in a picture as well. Roy, have you ever been, been tempted or have you ever actually uh, flashed back with a response that later you, you perhaps uh, wish you hadn't done on social media? Frequently, uh, but rarely have I regretted it. Um, I, 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 I can't be easily provoked on certain things. Um, I tend not to lash out with, um, with short four-letter words. I tend to... Um, I tend to give them both barrels repeatedly <laughs> because a bit like Evelyn said, like the, the fine art of debating, I mean, remember I had a great debate teacher uh, uh, or, or yeah, teacher I suppose in school who said that you, what was it? Um, you, you should never debunk a, another point of view until you have informed yourself sufficiently to argue for it. You know, it's exactly the fine art. It's, uh, you know, unless you can understand the other side, you've got no business shouting it down. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I have got drawn into uh, online rows and arguments, much to the amusement of some of my friends, I have to say. But, you know, and you, you do, you get drawn in. But a lot of it is, a lot of it on social media is designed for that. And people go to just kind of vent. Uh, but... I mean, the whole platform is set up in such a way it's the marketeer's paradise uh, and you know it's a bit like the game of poker if you look around the table and you can't figure out who the fall guy is it's you uh, and social media is that way your information is being harvested and we volunteer yeah. it uh, but it has been harvested and used uh, and, and we're you know People complain about the pop-up, you know, the ads and all the rest of it. Uh, and they wonder, you know, where's that this coming from? Well, because, you know, we, we've laid our preferences out on the table and, and the marketeers, you know, and advertisers are carving it up. Uh, but but it, it, it is, it's, I, I, it can be very inclusive, but it is so divisive at times. But it, look, it has us talking about it, so it works. Yes, absolutely. But uh, is there, Trump made Twitter his own. And he, he used Twitter to build up his own um, core of people behind him who believe that's absolutely everything that he says. And he did that deliberately and very cleverly. And he showed other people how to do the same kind of thing in many ways in, in, high, in high politics or low politics, whichever way you not want to look at it. But there, there are good sides to it. I, there's a lot of stuff goes through my Twitter feed that is informative is 
good humoured is for for positive purposes. So maybe in the discussion we're having tonight, Louis, there's a possible concern that we would throw the baby out with the bathwater mm. in social mm. media generally. There's an awful lot of good comes through. How do we manage to control it as individuals? I think the idea of, um, like Evelyn was saying, to inform ourselves, because I, I, I do agree there's, there's a huge amount of good information as well. I'm, I use Twitter really for kind of news articles and, and kind of obviously because I'm studying climate and, and, you know, in a policy sense, I find it really useful to gauge, you know, the zeitgeist, you know, what's happening, what's going on around the world, you know, what different politicians are saying. It, it's, you know, it's like a huge sort of research kind of source for me. So I definitely, you know, I wouldn't stop using it, but I, I do... I'm very ruthless about blocking people who are racist or homophobic or sexist or anything like that. I just don't engage. I just go block. That's it. You're gone. You know, so just for my own mental health, because I, I would absolutely <laughs> just be driven demented. The fact that, you know, regimes close down access to social networks when, you know, um, when there's a disturbance or when there's like Burma, for example, at the moment, China and other repressive regimes, you know, if it is it's the good the social media can do because it connects people, connects mm -hmm. ideas, you know, connects policies, connects purposes, you know, it enables people to assert their rights, you know, so therefore it's an extraordinarily useful machine from that point of view, you know. But then, you know, even on Twitter, you know, from the Catholic Church down to Sinn Féin, they all have their banks of people who are at the press of a button ready to respond to a press release from the opposition or respond to a positive press release from one of those institutions. So that, you know, you just have to be extraordinarily careful, I suppose, and filter your content and uh, just realize that you're, you're leafing through a magazine that's written by several different authors. You know, and you, I suppose you pick what, what, what suits you really. But I think if we're lazy about it, I think it does polarize us. It does just, just, confirm the righteousness of our own argument and position and everything, you know, which is unhealthy in the best of times, even if it's only discussed about you're going to have for dinner. You know, it's, it's, it's not a good way to be. Evelyn, you had something? Uh, I was just going to say that what Kalina was saying, that, you know, she uses it for her work purposes, and I would be the same. That's what I have filtered my social media down to. It's fantastic for me for connecting with other people um, in, in what I'm interested in, uh, especially over COVID, I have um, connected with so many people that I wouldn't have without social media. Absolutely, yeah. That's my comfort zone in work, whether there's a workshop on or there's a, you know, meetings or productions going online, I wouldn't have known about it were it not for social media. So I suppose in a way I've centered myself and I'm happy and comfortable there rather than going into the big bad world where yeah, it's, it's nasty. It can be nasty. So I've decided that social media works for me, for my work. Yeah. Just a quick, a quick follow-up there, Evelyn. You're the one who's dealing with children amongst us all at the moment. You're the one who's dealing with, with a lot of children. How is it affecting them, as far as you know, from your interactions with them? I haven't noticed any adverse effect, um, Brian, to be honest with you. It's not something that comes into our conversation at all. Um, I suppose the children, yeah, I'm working with children from six up to 17 years of age. 
I would say possibly the age group that would be most vulnerable would be the 11 to 14 years, in my personal opinion. I think after that, they get cute. Uh, as in, you know, they're, they're able to decipher good information and bad information. But be 11 to about 14, that's the, that's the age I would be concerned, you know, if my kids were that age again. But um, social media doesn't come into our conversation at all, really. Okay, let's do a quick run around to, to wrap it up. We, we started off with uh, the idea that social media might be a bad thing. In, in finishing up, should we just do a quick run around as to whether we're better off or worse off having social media today as it is. Fiona? I think it's like anything, we just, we, we need to inform ourselves. It's the same thing applies to any kind of media, I guess. So it has pros and cons, but it's invaluable for me. A view of you on it, Roy? Look, I mean, it, yeah, it, 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 there's, good, there's good and bad. People feared uh, the, the steam engine. People feared uh, the combustion engine and cars going above five miles an hour. Social media, look, it can be fantastic, but, you know, grain of salt. Uh, we really do need to filter it out. Uh, and, and as you say, you need to be careful. You know, the old saying of uh, believe nothing you hear and only half of what you read. You know, it, it's, we'd be well advised to, to, to remember it. Gary? I, I think it's a wonderful uh, uh, tool, really wonderful instrument, I think. You know, it's informative. It's, uh, it's an extraordinary way of, of getting information, you know, of maintaining, it is social media, of being in contact with people. You know, it's worldwide. I mean, I can talk to people in Kenya. I can tell people in Kilcullen about Kenya. You know, it's been a wonderful um, aid to what we've been trying to do, maintain hope. Wouldn't be without it. It's just some of the, the seedier and the nastier uh, elements of it, I suppose, that, that, that worry me that um, it, it, can, it, it can be a bit of a beast, you know, and it's not always tame. But generally speaking, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. I mean, blogs and stuff like that. I mean, like, not that often now, but away from, when you're away from home, you know, reading about uh, Colin and, you know, it's an extraordinary uh, thing to have. I think it's, it's generally speaking, it's, I wouldn't like to put a percentage on it, but it, it's it's way way a positive. I think anyway, yeah, I really do. And Evelyn, you've almost answered, I think, already yourself. Yeah, I think so. I I think I would like just to reiterate what Roy was saying. I think it's still very new where where we are right now, and I think laws will come in to twist and change it that will make it safer. I hope for people, but yeah, we can't be without it. We need it definitely. That was Evelyn O'Sullivan finishing up this episode of The Question Is. My thanks to her and to Cleona, Jerry, and Roy for taking part. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Kilgullen Diary and thank you for listening.